Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, holistic physician. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM, WQCS, and that is uh, NPR, National Public Radio. We um, also are available on um, Apple, iTunes, podcasting, so please subscribe. And then of those of you that follow uh, Public Radio Exchange, we're on there, too, and uh, we're syndicated in various regions through there. Um, so happy to do this show, so happy to have amazing guests every week for you, and um, so honored to have the guests that we have in our studio today, uh, Miss Ruthie Steinberg. Dr. Ruthie Steinberg, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, so we've had many conversations over the years of me knowing you. Um, you have done so much for families, actually, over the course of 28 years um, as a licensed mental health counselor, Supreme Court certified family mediator, uh, parenting counselor, and a licensed psychotherapist. Um, the the most recent conversation we had, which was passionate, and, uh, and, and of course we were in agreement in this, is that there needs to be attention paid to the whole uh, area of anxiety, uh, the digital world, and how it's affecting our families, our kids, mainly our kids. But yes. obviously, you know, it's it's a learned and taught trait and has to be allowed, and it has to be allowed by the parents for this to happen. Yes. Right? Yes. So there's been a lot of misdiagnosis. We're really behind on this. It's a scary time to know how far behind we are, um, and it and it deserves attention, and it deserves uh, some some pointers from an expert such as yourself, to sort of uh, not only enlighten parents and listeners and grandparents and aunts and uncles and so forth and so on and kids maybe teenagers even, um, but also to uh, give them almost almost permission to say it is time to change. We have to change. Correct. Right. Yes. Over the last 10 years in my office, um, I've seen some major changes, um, especially in the digital world and how it affects kids. It's a multifaceted issue. Mm -hmm. um, it starts with you know, safety and exposure. Mm -hmm. So not only safety with predators that could right. be you know, lurking out there, but also in terms of inappropriate content that kids are exposed to. Right. Um, the increase of, in depression and anxiety increase in ADHD or symptoms that mimic ADHD or right. autistic spectrum disordered um, symptoms, um, the normalization of dysfunctional and dangerous behaviors like self-mutilation and self-harm, cyberbullying, sexting, and all of those 
things, how they're impacting our children and, and, um, and our youth. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. And how parents can help their children learn how to balance their lives so that these things don't impact them in such a negative way. Right. Because there's certainly benefits to the digital world as well. Yeah, there, there are some. And, you know, uh, I want to – that's a lot to digest. Yes. Anyone listening right now – the, the first word I'm sure that they, they hung on to and that they remember, if they remember nothing else, is safety, right? Yes. That's the thing. We want our children to be safe. Yes. So let's put a pin in that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's start um, there. But I, I want to start there, but I want to go back 28 years. Okay. So that's now. We're talking digital age. But how did things change from the time that you started? What were safety issues 28 years ago? What was the main crux of a lot of your psychotherapy 28 years ago with families. Do you remember? Do you recall? Well, 28 years ago, I was working at New York Hospital uh, Cornell Medical Center on the child inpatient unit. So back then, um, I was working with very ill children. Mm. So we started at four years old and we went to 12. And then I also developed a hospital-wide adolescent program for our teenagers that were on adult units. And so that was just um, intensive mental illness. And that was more of my focus back then. Mm -hmm. I opened my private practice in Palm City in 2004. And so doing private practice work, I've seen lots of changes since 2004 Mm. in terms of, even in terms of safety. So, you know, I read something the other day, um, you know, back in 2004, parents had to supervise their children. They wanted to go outside and play. They would sit outside with them and watch them. They wanted to go to the mall. They would take them to the mall or wanted to go to the movies. They would accompany their children in the movies. Or at least see a movie next door to the movie that their kids were seeing. Exactly. And so they could keep an eye on their children. Unless you were like me who my parents let me go to a movie that they thought I was going to see and then I would get some strangers (laughs) to walk me into a movie that (laughs) I really wanted to see. This is New York, Queens. You could do that sort of stuff. But what's so interesting is the digital world um, is just another arena for our children to play in. Right. And so if we don't supervise our children in the digital world, mm-hmm. there's a lot of dangers just like there were when you would send your, if you would send your child outside to play right. and, you know, they could be kidnapped or taken mm-hmm. um, or hurt. Yeah. So, but you, so starting back again, 28 years, you dealt with mental illness. Then you went into private practice. And so... Like parents, did this whole digital age movement sneak up on you as a professional in terms of diagnosing certain different mental illness traits that were now starting to appear, but you didn't associate with digital? That's a really good question. Um, they did a, There was a study that I read about where they um, were uh, keeping track of self-harm and um, kids that came in um, who were self-mutilating, cutting, et cetera, that were, um, you know, into... It's almost like this increase of it. 2001 to 2015. Yeah. Okay. The age group that increased, the rate increased the most is 10 to 14-year-old girls. Wow. It increased by 166% of the rate of self-harm. Yeah. It's that age group that's significantly most impacted by all of this, according to the research. It's so obvious because, I mean, that was unheard of back then. So to increase that much, it's almost like going from nothing to something. Exactly. Exactly. Almost nothing, I would say. And the interesting thing, when you look at social media, 2008 is when Facebook kind of took over. 
2010 is when Instagram came online and 2011 is when Snapchat came online. Mm -hmm. And so then we look at 2015 and we look at that age group, those tweeny years between 10 to 12 and then those early teenage years when those kids are really um, looking to their peers to gain their self-esteem and feel um, connected and all of that. And they're the they're the most vulnerable group. Yes. You know, when so much of illness, for instance, when I when I talk with patients, they come in to see me and they and they ask me about blood testing and stuff. I says, you know, by the time it shows up in your blood, it's almost it's it's really pretty late in the game for right. a disease. Right. So you try to do prevention. Correct. Now with this, it sounds like there was no like there was no forecasting. It was almost like, you know, they the kids had their world in their hands and parents didn't realize it. And <laughs> so let's talk about the parents. When you're sitting in a room, you know, when she started to see these trends and patterns and the research started to come out and you had to convey this to parents, was there a look of like deer in headlights? No, because don't forget, I'm a psychotherapist, so they come to me when they're already, there's distressful situations. When it's pretty right? late, again. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. you know, a couple of examples come to mind where it really hit me what we're actually dealing with. And this first example goes back many years ago when the first game of Five Nights at Freddy's came out, which mm. I don't know how long ago that was, but it's, yeah. a, it's a pop-up game that kids could either play online or you could download it. So it was the first year that kids were allowed to bring their devices to school and actually encouraged to bring their devices to school. And of course, the school would monitor, and this is a second grade class, and the school would monitor what they were allowed to um, see on the internet, but they didn't realize that they needed to also check what kids had downloaded. And I had a slew of kids who were seven and eight years old from the same grade at the same school who came in for panic because some kids had downloaded the Five Nights at Freddy's um, game and were showing it at um, unsupervised times at the school. And the school didn't know until I called and I told the school, hey, I'm seeing a bunch of kids from this grade. Yeah. And then they were able to handle it. And they, you know, it was growing pains. They didn't realize that, you know, yeah. none of us did. No, yeah. Um, Slender Man. I just had a child this week who came in, six years old. His Cub Scout, kids in his Cub Scout group showed him Slender Man. Well, at six years old, you're still trying to figure out what's real and what's fantasy. So this child's convinced Slenderman's real and will not be in a room by himself and, and is displaying symptoms of panic disorder. Mm. And it's, you know, it's, and the parents were horrified. You know, the poor child comes in, he's, he's so anxious. Um, and it wasn't done out of malice. These kids were just like, hey, you want to see something cool? And for some kids, it was cool to them. But for this child... It wasn't cool. It was very scary. And now it's stuck in his brain and he's having a lot of difficulty figuring out how to move on from it with this image stuck in his head. Mm. Now, so much of this is the public and, you know, it almost gives a an idea to patients that homeschool that, that they go, you know, I know that patients, some patients homeschool their kids, yes. you know, because of this. Have you seen a variance in homeschooled kids versus public school kids and... In terms of their exposure? Exposure. My experience is that um, the homeschooled children are on their electronics more Mm -hmm. because their school is also on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... um, So it still comes down to the parent. It still comes down to the parent. And really, you know... The frontal lobe develops as children grow. Yes. And it develops into our 20s. Mm. And... 
Um, the frontal lobe is the area of the brain responsible for decoding and understanding social interactions. Um, it also is executive functioning, so impulse control, self-regulation, and mental flexibility. We learn from each other. Kids learn best from each other. We learn and develop this part of our brain through social interaction. So when we limit social interaction, whether it's because we're um, overusing the electronics or because we're not out there socializing, maybe, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying anything negative about homeschooling versus something positive about homeschooling. I'm right. just saying, you know, we need to give our children balance yes. and they need to be socialized because our children that are using um, the electronics too much are not developing this part of their brain. Mm-hmm. And the brain scans are supporting this. And there's some very serious concerns like, what is this going to look like when they're adults? Yes. We don't know. Uh, we don't, and uh, but we can assume, or not even assume, but just use common sense, yes. right? Yes. I think that's something that we all have to hone more of. <laughs> there's too much. There's too much not common sense out there. Right. But the two terms that you said, uh, well, the one that sticks out to me most is mental flexibility. Yes. I love that, and that's your frontal lobe. Yes. And that's sort of compromised when there's too much. Uh, in balance. Yes. So the other term was balance that you used, you know. So in all cases, whether homeschool or public school or what have you, and I was a public school kid. Mm-hmm. Grew up in New York, and to this day, I'm friends with, you know, uh, a friend that was uh, involved with third in third grade. And um, we had lunch. We were recently in New York, and my kids were able to meet this friend. And they were pleased at how intelligent he was and how funny he was. And I then went on to having a conversation with them about choosing friends and social imp- importance of social choices right and how it can mold and make your life and that's part of what is you forego when your face is in a screen correct when you're not in nature when your parents are not taking you out and exposing you to new things and new experiences and reality correct right correct Um, and and so parents in my office their initial inclination is to say okay i'm going to take all electronics away from my child right and really that's not the answer either right because then you know there's there's a new term that's been coined it's not an official diagnosis but it's it's in the literature and it's a social media anxiety disorder social media anxiety anxiety disorder disorder. yes Smad. <laughs> there you go. That's good. I'm smad at you. <laughs> hey. Um, and that's where, you know, kids just, or people, there's yeah. adults that have it too, that become so anxious if they can't check their social media and they feel un, unattached or unconnected yeah. through social media. Um, and so it's, it's a parent's job to teach their children balance Mm -hmm. and to teach them and really to understand why are their children using the electronics and all the devices? Mm -hmm. What are they doing on there? Mm -hmm. Parents need to know that so that they can help their children make good decisions. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful, you could go to Mm commonsensemedia.org. And that's a really nice um, place to go to find age-appropriate and educational apps for your children, um, you know, so that if you don't know, They'll help you find out right. where your kids should be and what they should be doing, you know, on the electronics. Right. Now, anyone listening can tell, hopefully, if they have brain cells, that you're balanced, you sound intelligent, but you care. That's yes. important. Yes. I adore you. I think you're Thank amazing. You. I think you're smart. I think you're attractive. I think, you know, I know your husband. I've met, you know, I know about your kids, your life. And it takes a lot of balance. Can you give some pointers? Because... 
all this is well and good and you know but again it snuck up on a lot of us as parents it snuck up on a lot of us as the public the general public uh this this whole new era of electronics and how to manage it and and parents don't want their kids to hate them Right. They don't want to be bad parents. They right. don't some some just don't know what to do. Can you give us some pointers to get back to the basics of how to parent during this time of electronic explosion, you know? That's a good question. You know, and the first the, the most important thing with any issue with um, children is parental involvement, whether it's their education, whether it's the digital media world, whether it's anything that the parents should understand what their children are doing, how much time they're spending. You know, a lot of parents say to me, they come into my office and um, and I say, do you have their passwords? Mm. Well, no, I'm invading their privacy. So mm. a lot of the parents will answer. And... Um, it's like reading their diary. Right. And I said, well, no, reading their diary is a diary that only they can see. Mm. Do, you know, posting things on Instagram or Snapchat or what have you or sexting, send, yeah. sending sexual pictures. Right. Who better to know than mom and dad first so right. that you can guide and teach your children what's right and wrong right. and supervise them appropriately? So that's the most important thing is that parents have to be involved and, and not just just because um, it entertains children, so let them just be on their devices right. uh, for extended periods of time without knowing what they're doing and participating or playing. They're playing a game, play it with them. Right. If they're looking at an educational app, do it with them. Right. Um, be involved. Um, teaching them balance. Children need to play with their friends, be out there, get some sunshine, do their homework. Mm -hmm. Um, play sports, have extracurricular activities, be balanced, but also have time to relax and be a child. Mm -hmm. um, and the most important thing is that parents need to model these behaviors for their children. So you also, as parents, need to unplug. Mm -hmm. And there should be times during the day where everybody unplugs. You put your phones away and you play a game yeah. or you talk. Or you read a book. You know, there's a few, you said it a few times and it, and it pops in and I really want to highlight it and underscore it and italicize it. Play. Yes. Not enough playing. Correct. And they did research uh, over the last few years of some of the internal terrorist acts, not from people out, it's people born in America, you know, <laughs> right. the person next door to you creating a terror, you know, uh, killing people out of the blue, doing these sort of horrible things. These, these people that someone referred to as monsters, they look back at their childhood and they saw that they just didn't, you know, they didn't have a playful childhood. Right. That somehow playing and social interactions and openness and nature makes you more attached to life and makes you connected to life and appreciate life, whether it's yours and others. So whether it be suicide versus, you know, hurting others, that playing factor connects you in a, to the appreciation of life. Absolutely. And also through play, small children, we all learn our our foundational skills right. through play and kids learn from each other so when you're playing you develop your imagination yes. and you develop the social important social skills that are necessary for life mm -hmm. um, and so many other skills to how to communicate yeah. appropriately how to share team building team building how to yeah. cooperate yeah. how to be empathetic and there's so many and I've seen quite a bit of parents have said you know when they talk to me about their 
problem with their kids and would I see them would I talk to them and I says well tell me about them well you know I you know did this that these does video games well did do, do, do any sports well we tried but he didn't like the coach or he didn't like war- playing with other kids mm-hmm. so we just don't make him do that <laughs> right. are you kidding me right 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 like I have kids you know my kid last night he uh hurt his foot over the you know, over the weekend. Oh. And that's understandable. I helped him out. He had a limp. So we had basketball practice. He says, Dad, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play. I says, you're going to play. You have basketball practice. You have a team. Right. What we'll do is we'll go to talk to the coach and we'll see if he can put you in a place so that you can be past the ball. You don't have to move. And then you can work on your corner shot. That's great. And yeah. he and said, he okay, it. Dad. And he did it. And he yeah. stayed the whole time. That's great. Most parents go, oh, poor, you know. And right. even his mom was like, you know, he, he can't play. No, he's going to play. But... You know, th- that's parenting sometimes. Absolutely. Parenting is not always, oh, sorry. Well, yeah, in yeah, here, go eat some macaroni and cheese right. or pizza in your bedroom, play your video games, and we'll see about next. No. Right. You s- stick to your, you got responsibilities. And you teach it early. And he had fun. And he scored, and he scored more than from that shot, which he was weakest at. And you know, so so he developed a skill. He developed a skill, was, right? You know, and an important thing that we were just talking about is empathy. And one of the other things that I'm seeing in my office, which is very distressing to me, is how mean kids are to each other. Yeah. Um, and it's starting younger and younger. It, it used to be, you know, middle school kids, and it's really trickling down into the elementary, younger years of the mm-hmm. elementary school. And you know. When kids are on their electronics too much, um, you know, they they can become irritable. They right. can become impulsive. That's yes. the part of the brain that really gets targeted. And so... Um, and emotional connection is also limited. And lack of empathy. So yeah. they may not like what their friend or their, a person is doing on the in, at school or right. on the playground or whatever. And they'll tell each other how many ways they want them to kill each other. Right. To kill themselves. Right. Um, yeah. In second and third grade. Yeah. I mean, the fact that anyone would do that at all is, is horrifying enough, yeah. but that these kids are seven years old, and this is how they're speaking to each other. Right, and then there's no sort of emotional check system that's being developed. Or filter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to create more emotional check systems. Parents need to be involved. Now, what about the parents? What about us as adults? I mean, we're just coming to terms with the fact that we put our lives, our kids, you know, intimate details on Facebook thinking it's private and it's not private. So that does away with that whole idea of, you know, I can't check John, you know, uh, Jennifer or Johnny's diary, uh, you know, and that's like their phone. It's not private. It's not even private from strangers. So it shouldn't be private from the parents. Exactly. What are you doing now? What's up there? What are you putting up there? You know, know that it's not private. And, and also, you know, when you used to share, I know you and I growing up, we share intimate details. It was like one friend. Right. <laughs> Not right. quote unquote friends because you have 10,000 friends or whatever. And then it goes viral. Friends. Yeah. Right. That's not a friend. Right. One friend. And then if you heard it back, you knew where it came from because it was that one friend that opened their big old mouth. Right. 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 So. And then, then that brings us to cyberbullying. Yeah. You know, because that's, you know, back in the day when in our generation, when we would, if there, you'd get bullied, it would be either with, whether it was one person or multiple people were bullying you, it was in one place, whether right. it was at school or it was on the playground. But you could go home to your safe haven and you could be comforted and you could get away from it. First of all, now it's on every device. So they mm-hmm. open up, whether they turn on their phone or look on their computer and it pops up and right. they see the cyberbullying. But also it goes viral, and so it's long-lasting. They can't mm-hmm. get away from it. There's no safe haven. Right. And so it just increases their feelings of, like, hopelessness and isolation. And, yes. 
and it's awful. And Which it leads just, to anxiety. And suicide. Yeah, and anxiety, and suicide, suicide uh, in, insomnia. Oh, the sleep problems, too, yeah. from too much electronics and all of this mm-hmm. as well. And there's a new term called uh, cyberbullicide. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So so it seems like there's not much good that comes from all this, although there is a way to connect. There's yes. a way to, I know parents that now sit with their children, if they come up with, I have one parent that I know of uh, that has a wonderful brand of seasonings, healthy seasonings for food. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of using salt, you know, they use it, and it's very rooted in Indian sort of Ayurvedic seasonings. And the mother and daughter use the social media for that. So there is a beautiful way to use technology. Yes. But that's a parent and a child together creating something you know my kids I encourage their art and so one of my daughters creates t-shirts so every time she does it I put it on the uh, you know we created a social media site together so I'll help her get it printed I'll help it design and then we put it up there but that's together and they know not to print you know put up personal things we don't really do a lot of you know because you're giving your child boundaries and you're and you're participating in it with your child so that you know what she's doing and you know and she knows what she's allowed to do and not allowed to do like any other rule and so and and it's still constructive but we have that time together yes right and they still have that that uh electronic or whatever connection to so all right so we have Miss Ruthie Steinberg, licensed mental health counselor, family, uh, well, certified, uh, Supreme Court certified family mediator, parenting coordinator, psychotherapist, 28 years. You've given us a lot of good ways in which we could sort of curtail this in our home, this whole explosion of electronics, change it, make it for the better, and understand where some of these new complaints and illnesses are coming from in our children and in ourselves, and maybe have a brighter future. Oh, thank you. How do people get in touch with you? Um, you can call me at 772 426 9940, or you can go to ruthiesteinberg1 at gmail.com. And that's R U T H I E, and then Steinberg, S T E I N B E R G. Yes. One, the number one. Yes. All right. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much. I hope people listen and I know you're located here in beautiful Florida. <laughs> but being that you have a website, being that you have phone, they can, I'm sure you do phone consultations. Yes, yeah, I do. Well, this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. See you next time. Now just a quick shout out to our friends at Oasis. The world's best golfers, including John Daly, Bernhard Langer, and Freddie Couples are back in Boca Raton for the Oasis Championships. Uh, February 8th, through 10th at the Old Course at Broken Sound. For tickets, visit oasischampionship.com. The Oasis Championship has raised over $2 million for the Boca Regional Hospital.